Welcome to the Deeper Darker Variety Show. I'm Casey. And I'm some hobo they found wandering in the street. <laughs> also known as Ashley. Yay! <laughs> How's it going? Oh, you know. Welcome, welcome back to 1950s America. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm actually, it, that's totally apt because because of COVID, I don't have a job, but I'm pretty much a housewife right now. Yeah, you're a housewife. There's race riots going on in the street. I make and... my husband coffee. He beats yeah. me when I get out of line. Yeah, you make him a drink when he gets home. If you don't, if you don't make it, you know, right, he's gonna come out and oh, smack you around a little you know, bit. You know, you gotta, you gotta uh, learn your place there, deeper, woman. Deeper, darker, sadder. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what a time to be alive. We we just seamlessly uh, went from being in a pandemic, which we're we're still in. Yeah, it's just not over. Right into race riots. I mean, who had race riots on their twenty twenty bingo card? <laughs> I know. Whoever whoever did that, I mean, nobody. Yeah, nobody could have guessed that. I mean, I guess, I guess, black people probably could have guessed that that would happen. I mean, it's been a long time brewing. That's for damn yeah. sure. But I I think the interesting part of the fact is like there are so many people out there able to protest right now because people aren't afraid of losing their jobs because a lot of people are already unemployed right yeah. now. And I mean, what a time to protest. Yeah. I mean, nobody can go to work, so might as well try to join a worthy cause. Yeah, it's li it lined up rather nicely for it, I, re I think. That yeah. really contributes to the numbers we're getting out there, which is pretty damn awesome. Yeah. It's, now, it's now officially the largest civil rights movement in history. It's great. I yep. love it. I love every part of it. I think my favorite part is the hashtag bunker bitch. I was just oh, I was thinking that <laughs> earlier, too. Yeah, they, they've been... Uh, Bunker bitch is my favorite thing that's happened this whole time. Yeah, have you heard he's he's coming out now? He's like, no, I I wasn't hiding in the bunker. I was just uh I was just looking at it. I was just inspecting he it. He was admiring the fine American <laughs> craftsmanship, Casey. And I think Funny. you need to stop being so shitty about President Bunker bitch. Like yeah. he he cares. They're calling him Bunker bitch because he's a bitch for a nicely built bunker. He cares about it. He cares so much. He about knows it. a lot about the design. He's making that bunker. He great wanted again. to make sure there was a lot of like reheated uh, Big Macs in there for later when he has to hide <laughs> again, like a bunker bitch. It, it, it really shows the like the depth of his or the lack of his leadership to yeah. where people are protesting peacefully and he's hiding in a bunker. And then when he wants to fucking emerge like Jesus on the third day, he walks across. He, he first off tear gases, peers, peaceful protesters. Yeah, there's live stream of that. He was they were just hanging out and then walks across the street to a church that he doesn't belong to, that he's never been to, holds a Bible upside down, <laughs> backwards. takes a picture and then goes back to his fucking bunker. Uh, I don't I don't know what's more absurd, the fact that he did that or the fact that there are still people eating this up. Like, that's what I just don't get. Oh, no, people love it. People are, it's kind of baffling to me how many people just love his shit. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. like, oh, look, he's such a Christian. He's such a, look at those Christian values. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, <laughs> you know that Jeffrey Epstein only hung out with the best of Christians. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very devout The men. type of Christians who, who pay off families of 12 and 13 year olds who uh, they're having sex with 
Allegedly. Allegedly. Don't sue us. Uh, yeah, so the protests are going on. I'm, uh, Ashley and I are both in full support of, of what's happening. 100%. It is my greatest misery that I cannot be out there right now because I, both Casey and I have chronic illnesses that keep yeah. us rather couch bound. And yeah. my husband had a long argument with me about how I would be a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I would not be an asset, but a possible problem because I cannot liability. run. Liability. Liability, thank you. And I cannot walk. I can't even walk three blocks right now. I, I just went out there very briefly one day. It was like the hottest day of the week of last course. week. And I just packed up two big ass coolers full of ice water and people were just so grateful. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I hung out with another friend of mine uh, who's a burner, goes to Burning Man. And he and his gate crew were bringing out like a hundred pizzas just to feed people. And I'm like... Little things like that that you can do. I mean, yeah. If you can't march, donate. Yeah, uh, exactly. Donate to, we will we will again list some links on our uh, social media pages. Yeah. So if you follow our social media, I just posted uh, a link to it's it's called the National Resource Center. Excellent. And it's just a ton of links of different places that you can donate to help to be to a true ally to Black Lives Matter and the movement right now. If you can't donate money, you could donate time. You can you can try to amplify black voices. I mean, there's things that everybody can be doing right now uh, to support it. Support black-owned businesses. It's very easy yes. to go online and Google whatever city you live in, where the black-owned businesses are. Yes. And if you're going to spend you know whatever money that you have, we're two broke hoes right now. We but, are. Uh, uh, I just went and bought some lunch the other day at a black owned business. Oh, excellent. Which one? South. Oh, where's that at? It's in, in downtown South? Sacramento. Okay. <laughs> it's in downtown Sacramento on, on 11th Street and U or T. Oh, I've never been there. What do they have? Is it good? It's Southern food. It's oh. really fucking good. Really good. I do love Southern food. I'll have to go there this weekend. It's really good. <laughs> we have some variety, variety network news here uh, to to discuss a little bit. So we're now on iHeartRadio. If you haven't seen our social media posts, we are now Fancy. streaming on iHeartRadio. You can still listen and subscribe there. You can go on Apple Podcasts. You can go wherever you want. Just listen, just fucking listen to us. We like it. Um, we're both kind of amazed with how well the podcast is doing. Thank you guys all yes, so much you. for your support, your likes, your follows. We're very, very humbled and we're kind of I'm a little in shock too. I'm like, pe people I don't know are listening to me. I think Casey just assumed this would end up like every one of our <laughs> drunken rantings at a party where the two of us are sitting there like la 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 in each other and slowly everybody else just drifts away. So we yeah, thought it was we, we be kind of, I kind of thought you guys would all just drift away, but, but you're coming towards us, which is awesome. It's really nice. <laughs> Uh, what else? Oh, you guys want to get to know us? We are going to eventually be doing a Q&A episode where you can, you can ask any question you want. What are your burning questions about Ashley and I, about our podcast, whatever you want. Uh, email them to deeperdarkerpodcast at gmail.com and eventually we'll, we'll read your question live on the air. And if you want us to cover a particular topic as well, you can email us about that always, yeah. anytime. But generally we are doing this and we would like to share with you if you're interested at all. You can also just, just message us to say, hey, shut up and get to the topic, we will also take that <laughs> we'll do that under consideration. We, we do want some like feedback. I, what do you guys think about the episodes? What do you think about it so far? Because right now we're just kind of... Drifting. We're just kind of rolling with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on to the main topic. 
uh, as everyone knows, we're seeing a lot of rioting, we're seeing a lot of protesting, and I think it's wonderful and beautiful. And some people, there are a lot of people who are very, they have certain feelings about the riots. And per, I go back and forth. Part of me is like, okay, well, don't destroy property and rioting is bad. But at the same time, I think, like, why the fuck not? This is a, a people who have been oppressed for so many years. Burn this fucking shit to the ground and maybe then people will start listening. I've described it as this is a big giant zit that we've all ignored for so long and this is it, how it built up. This is these riots and this property damage. This is our fault as Americans for yeah. turning our backs on continued police killings. Yeah. They've killed too many people and been just ignored for it and exonerated yeah. and whatever. And this is what happens when you systematically ignore and push a society down. Eventually, mm -hmm. when the zit pops, there's going to be blood and pus everywhere, and it's going to take a minute to heal. Mm -hmm. Scratch clear yourself, motherfuckers. Yeah, it's great. So, and then there, there's a lot of conspiracies about the riots, too. So, I, I recently just moved back to the suburbs, and everyone's going fucking nuts on there, saying that uh, black rioters are targeting white cities or white towns. They're going to come and start destroying, all, you know, people's personal properties. And I'm like... That's, that's not even happening. I love how Sacramento's afraid of that. <laughs> I know. Most racially uh, diverse city in the country. Yeah, but then you go out, dude, you go out to the suburbs, Orange and it's male, just a bunch of, white. like, really shitty, backwards, white rednecks. They're on nextdoor.com saying all this shit, and they're talking about getting their guns ready, and, and it's just, it's so, it, it's kind of mind-blowing to me. It's very baffling that, that people would actually talking be talking about starting to militarize against their own people yeah it's really silly over yeah. a rumor over a rumor but so then it got me thinking you know everyone's pissed off that or they're thinking that it's just all these black people who are rioting and and destroying property and i'm like hold on guys white people do this shit all the time white people love and to riot over no, nothing over nothing and no one has a fucking problem with it so I started looking at what were what are some of the worst riots in history, and I came across one that I actually had never even heard of. So you know, I'm hoping that that I'm enlightening others just Ooh. as I was enlightened. So I'm today excited. we're going to talk about the 1863 draft riots. Have you heard of them? No. Oh, oh yes. I, 1863. I yes, vaguely, but I couldn't tell you a damn thing about them. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you about it, Ashley. Yay. So our main story begins in New York City in July of 1863. Uh, this was known as Draft Week. It began on July 13th, 1863, and ended on July 16th of that same year. So it was only like a few days. Okay. This week was filled with very violent disturbances in lower Manhattan and was widely regarded as the culmination of white working class people who were discontent with the new laws passed by Congress that year that drafted men um, fighting in the ongoing Civil War. Yes. So they, they were just very discontent okay. with the draft in general. And I'll kind of get in, into more detail. But there are a lot of parallels between what's happening then and what's happening now. I'm like, this has been 160 years. This is why black people are so mad because this shit has continued for, for centuries, yes. for generations. Yeah. Uh, so the, these riots, the draft riots, as they were more commonly known, remained the largest civil and most racially charged urban disturbance in American history. Uh, the rioters were overwhelmingly white working class men, 
most of Irish descent, Irish or English descent, and they feared that the free black people would come in and compete for work and resented, uh, they resented black men who were going to come in, or the fear of black men coming in and competing for work. And they also resented that wealthier men who can afford to pay the $300, which is the equivalent to around $6,000 in today's money. Uh, so, so during the drafts, the wealthy men could just pay 300 bucks and not be in the draft, which is bullshit. So like, like looking at this, so besides the racially charged stuff, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'd be fucking pissed too. They didn't even have to fake bone spurs. That's not fair. (laughs) Wait, they didn't have a millionaire dad who could just like, you know, daddy bought my way out. None of them have ever served. Don't suckers. (laughs) Almost all my relatives have served. None of the Trumps have ever served. Right. It's all these, uh, it's ironic how all these online patriots have never served in the military. They don't know anyone who served, but they're patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of no different than disenfranchised white people nowadays blaming Im- immigrants and people of color for their own plights. Uh, initially intended to express anger at the draft, the protest turned into a race riot where the white rioters, who, again, predominantly Irish immigrants, began attacking black people throughout the city. So they they totally misplaced their blame and and misplaced their their anger and their rage. Instead of going for the system that was actually oppressing them, they went for the minority who was more oppressed than them. Yeah, and we'll get into, like, why that is, and it's very, very similar to shit that's happening It's very common. That that goes on all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So the official death toll... And remember, this was four days of rioting, just four days. Official death toll was listed between 120 and 200 individuals. Oh, my God. With around 2,000 additional injuries. Conditions, I know, dude, it's crazy. Conditions in the city were such that uh, Major General John E. Wool, who was the commander of the Department of the East, said on July 16th that, quote, martial law ought to be proclaimed but I have not a sufficient force to enforce it, end quote. So they wanted, but they just, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Because also remember, this is right in the middle of the Civil War. Yeah. So a lot of soldiers were already, they were busy. Yeah, they were otherwise deployed. (laughs) Yeah. It was draft week for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yes, there's a reason it was draft week. Um, So the U.S. president at the time, Abraham Lincoln, had... Like, like we were just talking about, diverted several regiments of the militia and volunteer troops after the Battle of Gettysburg to control the city. But, but it was already, like, too little too late. Yeah. Um, so the military did not reach the city until the second day of the rioting, which was Tuesday, July 14th, by which time the, the mobs had already ransacked and destroyed just numerous public buildings, uh, two Protestant churches, the homes of various abolitionist uh, sympathizers, many black homes and here's the kicker they destroyed the colored orphan asylum on 44th street and fifth avenue and burned it to the ground now that is a classy riot yeah fuck them orphans fucking white jesus people. christ they burned it to the ground well first they ransacked it and stole all the food <laughs> i'm sorry all the food me. for orphans and burned it to the ground <laughs> Stay, stay classy, white people. <sighs> I laugh uh, to keep from crying. This was such a crazy riot that the area's demographics changed as a result of the riot. Wow. With many black residents 
leaving Manhattan permanently and moving to Brooklyn. Wow. By 1865, the black population had fallen below 11,000 people for the first time since 1820. Holy shit. Yeah. I never knew there was a strong black presence in Manhattan. They, there was. Yeah. I mean, but but after this, not, not anymore. Not that I know a ton about New York. I'm trying to sound smart here. <laughs> oh, yeah. But You're Manhattan. so smart. I know, I'll, I'm a very cosmopolitan so sort of girl. <laughs> You're so posh. I've been, to, I've been to New York once. I did acid in Central Park. It counts. Yeah. That's more times than I've done acid in Central Park, so. Good. She's, this actually really is the classier of the two broads here. True, it's true. <laughs> Once you see me pee against a dumpster, you'll never go back. <laughs> it's true. So there was some buildup here. Uh, so here's a little fun fact. New, York, New York's economy at the time was actually tied to the South. So everyone thinks that the North was very liberal, very pro-abolitionist. Not New York. New York's economy was tied to the South such that by 1822, nearly half of its exports were cotton shipments. Wow. Uh, as well as the upstate textile mills uh, had produced cotton or had processed cotton in their manufacturing. Wow. New York had such a strong business connection with the South that on January 7th, 1861, the mayor, who was a Democrat, called the city's board of aldermen to declare the city's independence from Albany and wa from Washington. He said it would have been, it would have the whole and united support of the Southern states. Wow. So he wanted to like Manhattan to be part of the South. To but, secede essentially. Yeah, ba yeah, basically. Wow. Yeah, crazy. So uh, much of New York's business community had really no desire to end slavery. Meanwhile, opportunistic newspaper editors, <laughs> Fox News, <laughs> and uh, demagogic politicians, <laughs> Donald Trump, had the workers in fear that the end of slavery in the South would flood the city with cheap competition for their jobs. <laughs> Mexicans. They took our jerks. Yeah, so the whole, like, they took our jobs thing started. Oh, that's, a, that's an now. old tactic. That's a tactic oh, yeah, yeah. going way back. Yeah, so uh, the sharp recession and widespread unemployment in 1857 kind of deepened their anxieties. And that's kind of, and then when the Union entered the war, New York City had many sympathizers, again, with the South. The city was a, a continuing destination for immigrants, as it still is today. Uh, since the 1840s, many, most of them were from Ireland and Germany. In 1860, nearly 25% of the New York City population was German born and many did not speak English. Wow. Yeah. During the 1840s and 1850s, journalists had published sensationalized accounts directed at what the white working class, uh, again, dr dramatizing the evils of uh, interracial socializing and relationships and marriages and, and reformers really joined the effort. So was, New York City was e extraordinarily racist. Newspapers even carried derogatory portrayals of black people and ridiculed, quote, black aspirations for equal rights in voting, education, and employment, end quote. So, yeah. There was also uh, uh, pseudoscientific lectures on phrenology. Oh, phrenology. Yes, which were extremely, extremely popular, and uh, even though they were counteracted by doctors. So if you don't know what phrenology is, it became actually very popular in the recent film, Django Unchained, where yes. basically it was the study of a person's skull 
and someone theorized that certain defects in the person's skull uh, in, in their in their personality like yeah made, made uh, could explain different personality types and it was just basically a way to excuse racism and it, it was crackery real quick mm -hmm. i had a guy at a party like years ago when i first moved up here that weirdo that drives a hearse tried to hit on me you know what i'm talking about yes he was hitting on me and he was trying to hit like talk about my like he was basically doing phrenology on me. Like he was talking about like the shape of like the back of my skull, oh like my flirting God. with me. And I was like, this is phrenology. And you're you trying fucking idiot. He's, tr <laughs> he's trying to use some kind of woo woo, like cool bro. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He was also, he was also a polyamorous guy. Of course they all are. He had a wife and he was going to get me into his sex cult. Yeah, at least he wouldn't, I mean, maybe he would have you be in a box underneath their, their marriage bed. Oh, what uh, yeah. Colleen Stan. I'm not even going to make the joke <laughs> I was going to make about that. Let's move on. Okay. So the Democratic Party, Tammany Hall, a political machine, had been working to enroll immigrants as U.S. citizens so that they could vote in local elections and had strongly recruited Irish, most of whom already spoke English. So th this was all seen also in the film Gangs of New York. Yeah. So this is, I never realized how very historically accurate that film yeah, was. Yeah, shockingly accurate, I've read. Yeah. It, it, it was great. Daniel Day-Lewis is like... He's a spe special place. He's a great actor. So good. So in March of 1863, with the Civil War continuing, Congress then passed the Enrollment Act, which was to establish the draft for the first time uh, as more troops were needed because people were fucking dying in war. Yeah. Weird. War. Who would know? Yeah. Who would have thought? So in New York City and other locations, new citizens learned that they were expected to register for the draft to fight for their new country. So basically, people were coming off the boats and immediately having to sign up for the military or at least sign up for the draft if they wanted citizenship. So that was kind of like a, we'll make you a citizen right now. So when people talk about like, oh, my ancestors came here and they were became citizens, blah, blah. I'm like, they literally walked off a boat and were handed their citizenship as long as they signed up for the army. Yeah, yeah, it was much easier to get citizenship way back. So like, much easier. Depending, my uh, Rigel's family are Mayflower descendants. They got citizenship by showing up here first. Yeah. <laughs> Technically first. You gotta love those loopholes. Yeah. Some, sometimes you just get in, guys. It's not, it's not <laughs> complex. I know. So black men, at, so at this time too, black men were excluded from the draft as they were largely not considered citizens and wealthier white men could pay for substitutes. So so now we have the white working class who aren't making dick for money. They're saying that, you know, black people don't have to register for the draft, but for obviously a shitty reason. Yeah. And then which people can, so this is all just kind of building that tension. So now there's lots of tension, but instead of going after the wealthy and protesting the system that has them oppressed, has the, the, the white working class oppressed, they are now taking their frustrations out on already disenfranchised black people. So fast forward a little bit to January of 1863, the Emancipation, Pro Emancipation Proclamation uh, alarmed much of the white working class in New York who feared that free slaves would migrate to the city and add further competition for the labor market. Again, this sounds very familiar. There had already been tensions between black and white workers since 1850s, particularly uh, those who worked on the docks with okay. the free blacks and immigrants competing for low-wage jobs in the city. Now we go back to March of 1863, where longshoremen 
then refused to work with black laborers and rioted, attacking uh, 200 black men. So this is just, the tensions are building right now. Competition for resources. Yeah, competition for resources. And instead of, like we were talking about, instead of protesting the system that has placed you in this, you know, perpetually poor lifestyle, they're going after people who are in the same situation. Same exact boat. You're even worse off. So now we're going to flash forward to the actual riots, uh, which began on Monday, July 13th of 1863. Um, Technically, the first drawing of the draft numbers actually occurred on July 11th, uh, two days earlier. And while reports began flooding in of looting in Buffalo, New York and, and other cities, the island of Manhattan had remained rather peaceful during the first day of, of rioting. Um, however, on Monday, July 13th, the second drawing of draft numbers was held and a furious crowd of around 500 white workers led by volunteer firemen of Company 33, known as the Black Joke. So, so fun fact too, back then... Many of the firefighters, or they weren't commissioned by the city. They were all volunteer. And it was basically whoever showed up to the fire first would get paid by the city for putting out the fire. So a lot of these guys didn't really give a fuck. Um, Competition, I remember that, yeah. Yeah. So all these guys started attacking the 9th District uh, at 3rd Avenue and 47th Street where the draft was taking place. So the crowd started beginning, or began to throw very large paving stones through windows. They burst through doors, set buildings on fire. Uh, When the fire departments finally responded, rioters broke up their vehicles. So the the firefighters couldn't even put out the fires. Other rioters killed horses that were pulling streetcars and smashed other cars uh, to prevent parts of the cities from being, to prevent other parts of the cities from being notified about the riot. They cut telegraph lines. It was, it was bananas. Uh, Since the New York militia had already been sent to assist the uh, Union troops at Gettysburg, the local, uh, the local New York Metropolitan Police Department was the only force there and tried to suppress the riots. Uh, And it was just such a like pathetically small force too. So they, there was just nothing that they could do. They just had to let this happen. The, the police superintendent, John Kennedy, arrived on the site on Monday to check the situation. Although he was not in uniform, the mob recognized him and attacked him. He left the, he left the riots. So this is the superintendent of the whole police force. He left the riots nearly unconscious. His face was bruised and bloodied and cut. His eye was injured. His lips were swollen. He'd been cut with a knife. He had been beaten to a massive bruises and blood all over his body. Like these rioters did not give, not a fuck was given that day. They're like, fuck you, you're gonna send us to war. We are going to fuck shit up. Damn. Which again, part of me agrees with the reason why they're rioting, but how they took it out, fully disagree. Yeah, Uh, I agree. Uh, Police drew their clubs and revolvers and charged the crowd, but were overpowered because, again, the police force was just pathetically small compared to the size Uh, of the the riders. No training, yeah. They were all very badly outnumbered and unable to quell the riots, but but they kept rioting. The the riots kept occurring out of lower Manhattan below Union Square. 
uh, immigrants and others in the Bloody Six Ward. So this included uh, the, the South Street Seaport and the Five Points areas. They kind of weirdly refrained from the rioting. Yeah. So th- I think they just kind of like, I'm just picturing Daniel Day-Lewis's character from from that movie just like sitting back and watching all this happening. Like, uh, it's, they'll, they'll get it. It's fine. Um, so here's just kind of a list of things that were destroyed. The Bullheads Hotel on 44th Street, which refused to provide alcohol to the mob, was burned. So they're like, give us your alcohol. They're like, no. Okay, fine. We're going to burn your shit down. Goodbye. Uh, the 8th and 5th District police stations and other buildings were attacked and set ablaze. Other targets included the office of the New York Times. The mob was turned back at the Times office by staff, uh, staff sergeant manning Gatling guns. So the staff had Gatling guns, and that was like the only thing that was suppressing the the angry mob. They used Gatling guns on them while. Yeah. Uh, fire engine companies responded, but some firefighters were sympathetic to the rioters. So, because they had also been a part of the draft, and they had also been drafted, so they were just kind of like, whatever, fuck it, let it happen. Uh, the New York Tribune was attacked, looted, and burned. The mob beat, tortured, and killed numerous black people, Ugh. including one man who was attacked by the crowd, a crowd of 400. So one man was attacked by 400 people with clubs and paving stones, and oh people God. were... Lynch, they were tied to, you know, uh, telephone poles just right in the streets. It was painfully horrific. That's where I read about the draft riots. So the Colored Orphan Asylum, like we had talked about, totally destroyed. It was, quote, a symbol of white charity to blocks of, to blacks and black uh, upward mobility, end quote. It provided shelter for 233 children. It was attacked by the mob around 4 p.m. A mob of several thousand, including uh, many women and children, white women and children, white men, women and children, that's very important here, looted the building of its food and supplies. However, the police were able to secure the orphanage uh, in just enough time to allow all the orphans to escape. Thank God. So, yeah. <laughs> this could have gone real dark real quick, but all the orphans got out, all the orphans were fine, but their their shelter was burned. It was burned to the ground by these just angry people. And they had nothing in the world, and these people took it from them because yeah. the people who had everything in the world fucked them over. Exactly. Exactly. Trickle-down trickle economics doesn't work, but trickle-down oppression really does. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. These kids had nothing, and the, the one little thing that they had, which was a fucking roof over their head. And food in their belly. taken when, when, again, these protesters, the reason they're protesting, totally valid, they needed to direct it towards the rich, the wealthy, the people who had their feet on their necks, yeah. not people who were already disenfranchised. So, so that's basically it for the first day of the riots. So the first day was arguably... The fucking worst. So Jesus, they just, just on the first day. Yeah, that was the that was just the first day. So here here's uh, now the second day. So heavy rain fell on Monday night, which helped to put out the fires. Thank goodness. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, and sent the rioters home, so they weren't just like rioting all night. Uh, but the crowds returned the next day. Rioters on the second day burned down the home of Abby Gibbons, who was a prison reformer and the daughter of abolitionist Isaac Hopper. 
They also attacked white amalgamationists, such as Anne Derrickson and Anne Martin, who were two white women who were married to black men. And they also attacked Mary Burke, who was a white sex worker who catered to black men. So they were just like on a, a huge, just raced, racist fueled riot. It was awful, awful. That was basically two. Tuesday was just... Just a more personal touch. A more, exactly. So Wednesday and Thursday, order was kind of restored. So technically the rioting really only happened two days. Wednesday and Thursday, they were just kind of starting to restore things. So tensions kind of calmed down on Wednesday when uh, the Assistant Provost Marshal General Robert Nugent, uh, maybe some religion to Ted Nugent, who knows? Yeah, we'll see if he's in a stranglehold or not. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Clever. Uh, he had received word from his superior officer to propose, just postpone the draft. So now people are like, okay, draft is postponed. We're not angry anymore. We can calm down and work on this thing. We can all calm our vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> Shake the sand out. So as this, news appeared, as this news appeared in newspapers, some rioters stayed home. Uh, some of the militias began to return and to and kind of use more harsh measures against the remaining mobs. So now because some some of the rioters were staying home, now the police force could actually control the, the remaining yeah. rioters. That makes sense. Uh, order, be order began to be restored on Thursday. However, a final confrontation occurred on Thursday evening near Gramercy Park. According to reports, 12 people died on the last day of the riots in skirmishes between rioters, the police, and the army. The New York Times reported on Thursday that plug uglies and blood tubs, I'm assuming they're, they're gangs, uh, gang members from Baltimore, as well as the Scully Rangers, I think that's how it's pronounced, and other rowdies of Philadelphia had come to New York during the unrest to participate in the riots alongside the dead rabbits. However, none of that was substantiated, similar to kind of what we're seeing now. People are saying that all these rioters are going out to the suburbs. Just rumors. The old-timey gangs? Those were way better gang names. Yeah, I, I never realized that the dead rabbits from, from Gangs in New York was a, a actual gang. It's yeah. fucking dope. That is really cool. <laughs> The, the plug uglies yeah that's that's a, a fucking that I, should be a band name i think i think i'm gonna have to rescind my band name and just be yeah. the plug uglies plug now, uglies blood tubs yeah blood tubs could be our first album <laughs> that's great oh man so the aftermath of this again the exact death toll was was largely unknown though it was estimated to be between 120 and 200 people which for one city and two days of rioting is a lot of fucking people That's a to lot be of people. dead. Yeah. Uh, most of them who were killed were were black. There were a lot of Irish rioters who were killed by police and everything. Uh, violence by the longshoremen against black men was especially fierce uh, in the docks of that area because, again, they thought they were competing for resources. Um, the total property damage was estimated to be between one and five million dollars. God. Of of, of their, that, money. their money, which is the equivalent to between sixteen point five million and eighty-two million dollars in today money. Fuck. Crazy. Fuck that that city up. Fucking hell of a riot, dude. During the riots, 
landlords, fearing that the mob would destroy their buildings, then started driving black residents from their homes. Of course. As a result of, of the violence against them, hundreds of black people were left homeless and ultimately ended up leaving New York. Uh, the white elite, the real enemies here, in New York were... Uh, the white elite in New York had organized to provide relief to black victims, white guilt, white guilt, helping them to find new, new work and new homes. The Union League Club and the Committee of Merchants for the Relief of Colored People uh, provided nearly $40,000 and to 2,500 victims of the riots. So, I mean, I guess they, they helped out a little yeah, bit. That's nice. And, and it's uh, the thing is, too, I think. Even a lot of those who create problems don't realize or, or care or understand the problems they create. Mm-hmm. It's the problem of having the ruling class, so to speak, even though technically this isn't a class-based system. Mm-hmm. These people are so out of touch with our lives that a lot of times they do things. I don't think, they, I don't think they're doing it to be terrible. They just right. don't understand. They just don't know. They don't care. It, it's not an experience that speaks to them. You know, as, as just as, as alien as my life must be to somebody who lives in palatial settings so too is there is their lives and the way they feel and all right. of those things so yeah. but also fuck you people yeah. <laughs> also eat the rich yeah eat the rich before they eat you but hey rich people donate to our podcast so, yeah so then we well, can you're, be rich. if you're listening to this you're not the rich people we're talking about we're talking about the the mega wealthy and i highly doubt that there's an elon musk listening to the this ma- shit. the mega wealthy who are just like so out of touch with with reality yeah uh, so the draft riots were actually an expression of rage and fear on multiple levels, which, again, I totally empathize with. An entire sector of the white population who were poor and underprivileged had very real grievances. But they took their grievances out on and led a revolt against the wrong people based on misplaced racial hatred that was fueled by politicians. It was fueled by the media and again, you see a lot of that today. It's it's an otherness tactic. It's easy to turn people against people who seem other or alien to them. There's a quote, and I can't remember which president said it, and I'm not going to get the quote right, but basically if you can convince the least white man that he is still better than the least than the average black man, it's easier to get him on your side. Oh, yeah, big it's, time. You can, control, you can control that, and and by convincing them... There's the image of the of the wealthy man. He's got like 14 cookies, and the white dude sitting next to him has two, and the black dude's got one. And they're like, they're, "He's gonna steal your cookie." Right. You got 14 of them. You stole our cookies. Right. Exactly. Give me the fucking cookies. Give me my cookies. God. <laughs> all I want is cookies. So I mean that that's all I got to say about that. That was the that is the story of the 1863 draft riot. Thank you, Forrest. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. I have more information on white riots. So uh, there's, there's generally, the reason why Casey brought this topic up is generally when this, this was a motivated riot. When we see white people riot a lot of times, it's for stupid shit like sports ball wins. Yeah, not only like if their sports ball team loses, they do it when they win they do too, when they win which too. is just which is so baffling to is me. It's strange. It happens so much that it would we could be here all day just listing sports riots. So I've got a couple of those, and I have a couple of, uh, I wouldn't say properly motivated for one of them, but motivated riots, not just like, hey, our sports ball team yeah. lost. Well, in, in regards to, like, black riots, like, black black people riot for a reason, and, and I, I can't say it as as 
eloquently as this woman named Kimberly Jones says it. And I don't know if you watch John Oliver. A little bit, but. He had her, he had uh, one of her snippets as the closing of his most recent episode. And it was just so fucking beautiful. I urge everyone listening to just Google Kimberly Jones. She does this like six minute rant and it's just so wonderful. And she ends it by saying, quote, as far as I'm concerned, they can burn this bitch to the ground and it still wouldn't be enough. And they're lucky that what black people are looking for is equality, not revenge. That's deep. Fucking great. That's perfect. Yeah, that's how that's how you can sum it up. And this one, we're going to start with my little aside with the Tulsa firebombing. I almost did that, but I figured like a lot of people. But I I would rather leave the uh, the intricacies of that topic to black voices. Yes. But I would like to bring this one forward. This is just this is too big of a topic to cover even in one of our full episodes so this is just a brief explanation also if you're interested watch the very first episode of the show watchmen they do a perfect and also get your tissue because it's actually if if you watch that entire series on hbo it was great yeah it was was really really great they they kept going back to the tulsa race riot or the the tulsa the tulsa massacre tulsa firebombing also known as the uh burning of black wall street yeah, and it was really, they did such a great job of it. I really enjoyed that show, and I really enjoyed their portrayal of that. Well, watch Watchmen. Also read the graphic novel. So, yeah. the Tulsa firebombing, May, May 31st and June 1st of 1921. The single worst incident of racial violence in America, which is saying something because we're real good at that. Yeah. 800 people hospitalized. America's not really great at a lot of things, but racial tensions is, is one of them. We're the best. 800 hospitalized, uh, 6,000 6, interned with the police. 36 dead officially, likely as many as 300 because they didn't keep as good a count as they could have. Basically what happened is a 19-year-old black man named Dick Rowland, who was a shoeshiner, was accused of assaulting 17-year-old Sarah Page, an elevator operator. What most likely happened, according to to these things, is he tripped while entering an elevator. She was an elevator operator. He grabbed onto her. She screamed. It was on. Oh, yeah. There's a whole thing with them uh, threatening a lynching. It is a long deal. Oh, there's so many of these throughout history yes. where, where black men are accused of, you know, touching a white woman. And it's usually like... Emmett Till. Yes. 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 So uh, white rioters rampage after the standoff at the courthouse. They kill, they burn, they loot. The National Guard has to declare martial law. 10,000 blacks left homeless. The 2019 equivalent of 300 or 32.25 million in damages. They burned this city to the ground and no one spoke of it for many, many years. It was a secret. People did not talk about it. It was uh, the only time they actually used airplanes to drop firebombs on these people. It was the the only American, the only airstrike on mainland American history. Yeah. so the only time we've had an airstrike, we did it to our own citizens. Yeah. And that's the thing that people are forgetting. These are people. These are citizens. These are our brothers the same and sisters. Country. And it doesn't matter if they're a different color than us. They, they still are brothers and sisters. They're <laughs> equals and we need to keep keep pulling them up beside us because too many of our, our yes. people, our people, quote unquote, want to push them down. Now on to happier, quote unquote, riots. The Sunset <laughs> Strip curfew riots in West Hollywood in 1966. Famously, the song For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. People think oh. it is a war protest song. 
That is the one famously, uh, stop children, <laughs> what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Yeah, That is about the Sunset Strip curfew riots, not about no Vietnam. shit. Yeah, a lot of people think it's about Vietnam. I always thought it was about Vietnam. That's what everyone thinks. It's used that way in movies a lot. Uh, the Sunset Strip was the center of the hippie and rock counterculture in Los Angeles. And the city is pissed off about all these teenagers hanging around and drugs and all the things going on. All these so, old white people just raggling their fists. Just like, just these, these fucking kids having so much fun. And this is 66. So this is very early in the hippie like days. This was uh, uh, thought of as the first salvo in the ongoing culture wars that go on to this day. City admins forced the Whiskey A Go-Go to change its name to The Whisk. They did stop it. Yes. Oh my god. 10 p.m. curfew and loitering. Because laws. whiskey is just such a profane word. We don't want this going on. They're tired of it. So <laughs> November 12th, uh, the protests include. Uh, there's a November 12th protest. A thousand people, including celebrities like Jack Nicholson and Peter Fonda, who was handcuffed. And it, it was not arrested. He was handcuffed. But unrest continues throughout December. So this is from from September all the way into December. It just mm -hmm. keeps going on. Local admins rescind youth permits of 12 clubs. Basically, nobody under 21. Yeah. The, and the city bought and demolished the famous club, the Pandora's Box. Oh, my God. Yes. They bought it and demolished it, which, by Old the way... white people suck. They will buy <laughs> your venue pretending to... They're going to uh, make... The city can buy it if they're going to make uh, changes, like if they're going to run a street through So there. they can say we're going to make changes, but then they could just, like, demolish it. Yes. So, so the, the club, the punk club that I grew up at, the Showcase Theater in Corona, legendary club, by the way, huge names, people before they got big, and big names in punk have played there for a long time. This place is going an amazing place. Uh, Corona is the Circle City. So it's a circle with a cross through it. Uh-huh. Main and Sixth are the cross. Mm -hmm. A long time ago... The idiot city planners decided to take the, the straight of Maine and curve it around this area, which they made the Corona Mall, which never got any business. Oh the showcase God. is right by the Corona Mall. So the city lied. I can't wait for strip malls to just and, die a oh, painful death. Terrible. The, uh, the city pretended that they were going to re-straighten Main Street and thus bought the showcase under these supposed uh -huh. reasons and shut it down. Showcase is still standing. They nice. have never done any any movement on the street. But it's just it it's just been empty. It's empty. They they bought Such it and they bullshit. shut it down. Yeah. So Bob Gibson, the manager of the Mamas and the Papas, said if you had to put your finger on an event that was the barometer of the tide turning, it would probably be the Sunset Strip riots. Also inspired songs, uh, Plastic People by Frank Zappa, Daily Nightly by the Monkees. There was also an episode of the Monkees TV show that was kind of about it. The Riot on Sunset Strip by the Standells, Safe in My Garden by the Mamas and the Papas, Open Up the Box Pandora by the Jigsaw Scene, SOS by Terry Randall, and Scene of the Crime by Sounds Unreal. So it was a big... <laughs> That's crazy. It I was just, a big I deal. Never, I never... I need to look up more about this. It's a fascinating thing. There's a lot of... I believe there are some documentaries on it. As far as riots go, this was not... This wasn't really even a riot, so to speak. Nothing really got destroyed except for by the city itself. But... It, it is referred to as the riot. Now, to close our episode, sports ball riot. Sports ball. <laughs> so as you can tell, Ashley and I are not big sports fans. I actually love baseball. I used to watch baseball a lot as a kid. See, and I, I like going to baseball I like games. going to baseball games. I really games. enjoy going to I baseball I enjoy games. it, but I have no, I have not followed baseball in a long time. I'm not into anything. And generally, no matter how much I love or how much I might have enjoyed 
baseball, I find the sports ball fanaticism to be utterly peculiar and strange. Everyone's got to have their thing. I, just I know, don't but get it's it. crazy to me how how balls deep people get into it. I'm like, these sports ball players don't give a fuck about you. They're making millions of dollars whether you cheer for them. And people just get so enraged about it. The it's funniest wild. thing to me is that those same people will look down on and beat the shit out of cosplay geeks and other people. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's just, it's it's like more socially acceptable LARPing. Yeah. You're just, you're going to your LARP and you're putting on your costume. Some of you paint yourselves. You do your little thing. Right. And that's cool. Like, I'm happy for you. Enjoy your sports ball game. But don't but look at some fucking nerds at a renaissance fair and get all, you know, bitchy with them. You can look down on furries, though, because I said so. Just kidding, furries. <laughs> Sorry. Dude, furries are, have been... I just saw furries in the news recently. Did you? I got to figure out what the article was, but it was like furries being helpful to the community. I'm like, fuck yeah, furries. Oh, you you want to hear an interesting thing I heard about about the furry culture generally? So I, Eric and I are both pretty geeky. <laughs> and uh, Real quick, if you don't know what a furry is... One, you're listening to the wrong show, and two, just fucking look it up. Please. Just Google it. There's, there's nothing gross unless you get. It. Don't look up yif. Okay, don't go for there. <laughs> you look it up. <laughs> so, uh, my sister-in-law is very big in the cosplay community on mm -hmm. in in her uh, end of the country, and she does a lot of that kind of shit. So mm -hmm. I met one of her friends who told me this very interesting story that they were having problems with white supremacists infiltrating furry culture, and that. You shut up. <laughs> and they tended to, to uh, I don't know what the word is, but they tended to be German shepherds. That was usually. Don't tell me that. I swear to you. <laughs> I almost died. I almost died. It was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. Like, no. it's not cool that that happened, but it's that I like, that is such a fucking weird thing to hear. That That's I just, so weird. Uh, it's the weirdest thing I heard, like, for months. So oh that, that always excites me. God, I love these weird facts. Ah. Now, onto the sports ball riots. I just <laughs> grabbed a list from Fox Sports of all places, but it's the first thing that came up. So this is just, uh, this doesn't cover the Philadelphia Eagles. It doesn't cover anything, uh, not all sports ball riots. This is just a very small amount. So remember this when you're worried about property damage. <laughs> Detroit, yes. 1984. Tigers won the World Series. Looting, police cars burned, uh, and also at Detroit in 1990, the Pistons won the NBA title. Seven people were killed in those riots. What the fuck? I mean, come on. Come on. Your team won. What's the point? Riots in Los Angeles in 2000, 2009, 2010. All Laker wins. I remember those. I was dating a, a big Laker fan in 2000, and he was around during those riots. I remember that whole thing. I guess I, I just have a hard time understanding where you're just like, Fuck yeah, my team won. Let's go fucking destroy some shit. Some of these are losses. It's both losses and wins, which is just odd. So you choose weird. a lane. <laughs> In yeah, exactly. Losses I can maybe understand a little bit. But, but why are you trashing your own town? Yeah. In Vancouver in 2011, when the Bruins lost the Stanley Cup, there was a riot. Montreal, 19, uh, 1993, 2.5 million in damages. 1986, 2 million in damages. 1955, they tore, up the, they tore up a 15 block arena after what? officials tear gassed them. <laughs> Sorry, they tore up an entire arena. The, the, the fans rioted. They rioted and I believe they went down on the, on the field and there was like all this craziness going on. So officials tear gassed them and then they just tore the arena, the shit, to, like they fucked the arena up. I know you guys are listening to this, but if you could see my face right now. <laughs> also, let me point out, these are Canadians. <laughs> Who's the apartment above the meth lab now, Canada? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Stop being so dead on in your assessment of us. 
the apartment above the Have you not seen that? <laughs> Shit, that's good. They, they said that Canadians must feel like an apartment above a meth lab right now. Oh my god, it's, that is the most perfect is description dead on or what? I have ever heard. That's awesome. <laughs> In Chicago, 1979, they stormed the field. Sox forfeited the second game of a doubleheader. This, by the way, this Wait, they forfeited the game because the Riders came on the field? They forfeited the game the next night. Oh, no. It's a doubleheader, which means a doubleheader, I don't, I don't believe it was during a postseason play. I think mm -hmm. it was just, like, a game. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so they... they <laughs> <laughs> forfeited the, the second game of the doubleheader so like they actually caused their team to lose a game without even playing it oh, fuck oh fuck cleveland in 1974 <laughs> i get this 10 cent beer night that sounds great somebody so everyone's got, wasted on cheap beer somebody got the brilliant idea to have unlimited 10 cent beers and didn't see how that was gonna so end. that person lost their job instantly the next day person probably disappeared from for life. In Denver in 1998, 10,000 fans looting, vandalizing, flipping cars, starting fires. Oh my god. Boston 04, they beat the Yankees in the, for the World Series. One person died. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Finally, Vegas in 1997. I'm not laughing at death, but I mean, I kind of... It's absurd. It's so absurd. I'm not laughing at the individual. It's just, it's absurd. <laughs> Vegas in 1997, the time that Mike Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's uh -huh. ear. There was a huge riot of the people at the sh at the fight. There was a post-fight stampede that came out like into the casino, and like all the <laughs> casino restaurants are like so just the word stampede. I can visualize it closing the, their doors, like because there's all the shops inside the casinos oh and shit. God. And apparently, people were stealing chips off of the tables as they were going path. Which, to be fair, if I was in that riot, I totally would have done Probably that. Probably would have done the same thing. Oh, yeah. Scoop up those <laughs> scoop up those chips on your way out the door. Okay. Let's go. I was actually in a, a riot. It was it was a riot. It wasn't a very raucous riot, but it was a riot uh -huh. uh, for OzFest in 1999. Uh -huh. My friend from school called me the day of and was like, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to go to OzFest with me? I have a free ticket. Do you want to come? You're like, yeah, fuck it. I asked my mom to take me. Or she told me to have my dad take me. She was working at the bar that day. She later had somebody ask her. She's like, oh, my, my daughter's at o that OzFest thing. <laughs> Let your daughter go to OzFest? <laughs> yeah, your 16-year-old daughter? Yeah. It's like Wizard of Oz, right? No, Terry, Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> My mom should know better. She listened to K-Rock uh, I instantly me. love your mom. She heard the commercials. I did. I was not lying to her. Yeah, I, like the Wizard of... Oh, my I God. I just said... Bless her heart. I straight up asked her, can I go to OzFest today? Like, why the fuck? And so in her mind, she's picturing, like, Dorothy... And, she cried and all the rest of the day. Munchkins. So at, at the <laughs> concert, when Black Sabbath was playing at the end of the night, the power went out, and everyone got super pissed and rioted. Shit. They lost their shit. There was nothing extreme. There wasn't any... We weren't in any danger. We were just two 16-year-old girls, like, what guided along that? by the crowd. The old the old drunk metalheads were incredibly kind to us. They, oh, totally. They I'm took sure. care of us all day. And we got ushered out. And at one point, the crowd took it easy, like all the easy ups that we could find. And we had like all the easy ups. And they, and they threw them over the fence. That was that. That was my riot. Oh, shit. Those are some good ones. Yeah. Those were real good. Yeah. And also, by the way, predominantly white crowd, obviously. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. White people tend to, to riot over some pretty dumb shit, I think is what we're getting to. I mean, I, I enjoy a good small riot. Like a little riot. 
yeah and again like uh, i think i mentioned in the beginning especially with the writing happening now part of me is like fuck it burn it all down i don't give a fuck but then all at the same time i'm like Okay, there there has to be some stipulations. Don't target small businesses. Yeah, that's the sad part. Don't don't target businesses owned by immigrants or other people of color. You want to burn down Target or Chase Bank? Go for it. They are insured to the fucking teeth. Take it that matter. Macy's out. Also, the creators of this podcast do not actually endorse going out and doing this, so don't blame us. Yeah. Also, yeah, don't sue us. <laughs> we we didn't have nothing to do with nobody doing nothing. Right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So in closing, thank you all so very much for another fun-filled episode of the Deeper Darker Variety Show. We would like to thank our wonderful producer, Eric, who who fucked up a little bit today. If you notice that our voices sound more like banshees than normal, he forgot our fancy microphones. But it's okay. We give him a pass because he's cute. He's so cute that I'm having romantic dreams about him. (laughs) That's That's a true fact. Uh, we also want to thank uh, Unlikely Legends Productions for producing this podcast. Thank you to everyone who's liked and subscribed to this podcast. Uh, we can be found on the web, again, at ddvs.blubrry.net. We're working on that. That is a working website. <laughs> Terrible URL. <laughs> that, that where, uh, there you, you will find links to all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that shit. Also search us on any social media. You'll find us. Yeah. Um, on our website, you'll find new episodes, uh, links to our streaming services, including Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, and also a link to our PayPal if you're so inclined and you want to hear us, our beautiful selves continuing to yell at you through the radio and into your ear holes. And big thanks to our very first contributor, Amazing Dave. Yes, thank, thank you, Dave. Dave. We, we appreciate you. We both miss you very much. Yes. And thank you for always taking pictures of me, despite the fact that I'm the least photogenic bitch in the entire burn scene. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you, Dave, for always making me look really pretty in your pictures. Um, like us on social media, subscribe wherever you want. And uh, again, if you have some deep burning questions about us, email us. Or if you have any uh, comments, concerns, complaints, corrections, topic suggestions, Email is deeperdarkerpodcast at gmail.com. Deeperdarkerpodcast at gmail.com. And that's that. All right, guys. Thanks. Bye. Goodbye.